0: But then when you look at what we talked about, the two to three week or indeterminate shipping time, that's also a challenge that these merchants face. Welcome to Subscriptions Scaled, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories, and learn how you can uplevel your subscription business today.
1: listeners and welcome to another episode of Subscriptions Guild. I'm your host, Christy Beasley. Our guest today is Jack Purcell, who is a business development at Geotis. Thanks. How are you doing today? And thanks for coming on the show.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me, Christy. I'm doing well.
1: So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and the company?
0: Yeah. So Geotis is a third-party logistics provider. We have a global network in over 170 different countries. We're French-based, but we're actually one of the fastest-growing 3PLs in America, and our headquarters is based in Brentwood, Tennessee. Our core business, contract logistics, so that'd be warehousing, fulfillment, freight forwarding, ARC, container, less-than-container, and domestic transportation. So that's really our core business. And then the team I'm on, Geodis parcel is our foray into e-commerce. And my product, my parcel is actually international fulfillment direct to consumer from the US to international destinations.
1: Okay. So, what are some of the challenges or opportunities for subscription-based businesses? You talked about being international, so have you had any experience with cross-border with your e-marketplace?
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as the opportunities go, when you look at cross-border trade, projected to grow by over 25% through 2028, and that would bring the total market to over 3 trillion. So, when you look at that explosive growth in the international market on a macro scale, it's really undeniable. And then when you look at the micro scale, you know, those individual subscription box owners and operators, I think it's a very interesting opportunity because so many of these boxes present such a niche product, right? So, by expanding internationally, you're really just opening up to 4X, 5X in your market, even by just going into the UK, Canada, and EU for people who may or may not have a need for that niche that your box is filling. So on an opportunity front, there's plenty for the international expansion for subscription boxes. And then you mentioned the risks, which all these subscription boxes, they're gonna know the risks associated with shipping domestically. You're relying on third party partners, you've got tracking, you've got returns. So once you take those problems international, they kind of compound, right? So, not only do you have these same issues, but you've got compliance with the numerous border authorities that you have to deal with. Returns become even more complicated since you're crossing borders to and from. I think, yeah, just on the compliance front, knowing your de minimis is, which is the value under which you won't owe duties and taxes, that varies by country. So, the opportunity being an exploding international market. And the risks really centered around complexity and providing a top-tier customer experience across borders, which can be a challenge even domestically.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that brings up a really good point. I'm sure there's a ton of people that are operating in the United States now, but they are looking to expand internationally. And that is kind of an overwhelming task to take on, especially if you don't know the regulatory or international compliance. So how do you help merchants deal with that? Are you active helping them understand the legislation and regulations? Does your system provide tracking or any type of guidance?
0: Yeah. When we're starting up a customer, we really focus a lot on compliance. That as GeoDisc represents our biggest risk, making sure there's no hazardous materials. Sometimes things can get as complicated as certain fabrics or certain chemicals that maybe are used in beauty products in the U.S. that won't be allowed in other countries. So we really take a lot of that off the plate of the merchants by, like you said, our systems up to date, making sure we're flagging hazmat. We make sure all these items before they're going international are going to be tagged with a harmonization code. And that's basically how all the different countries identify their product. So that's how my parcel helps to mitigate some of that risk. And then on the something else we do to mitigate on the uh, customer service front, So the difference in international commercial terms, you've got DDP and DDU. DDP being duties, taxes, paid. So that means at checkout, the customer knows what they owe in duties, what they owe in taxes. That's that total landed cost. So that's the service we provide. And that DDP really is becoming the standard in the international market, whereas DDU, duties, taxes, unpaid, That means as a product's going through compliance or sometimes when it's being delivered to the final customer's door, they're going to owe those duties and taxes at that point, which you would never expect a domestic customer to not know exactly what they owe when they buy the product. And that same expectation really is applying to international consumers as well.
1: So how do you recommend merchants handle those charges? So they get passed on to the customer or do you see merchants that try to absorb those on their side?
0: Typically, you're going to see the final consumer pay those duties and taxes. There's not a competitive advantage to be derived there. These certain products at this value will incur these duties and taxes, and those will be presented in the shopping cart with a good DDP solution. So they are still paying more for these products. But as you know, sometimes substitutions aren't readily available. We talked about for the subscription boxes. They're so niche. So that duties and taxes, like I explained with the growing international market, people are willing to pay those for the right products.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you typically you see the client displaying that as part of the total purchase price to the user. So if they paid for it up front, then the duties would be covered by the time it's delivered. So it's not like collecting on delivery for the duties and taxes.
0: Exactly. And that's really one of our keys. A big problem with these DDU services are abandoning items in the cart and that's something that has been found that you know if someone doesn't know exactly what they're going to pay in the cart that is one of the reasons that can lead people to abandon in cart which it's as easy as like you said letting them know what they're going to pay up front and that can avoid a lot of headaches or even prevent a customer from wanting to be a repeat customer
1: yeah i mean earlier you mentioned refunds so if you're not notifying customers Ahead of time, and then they are getting charged extra because of the dues and fees. I'm sure that brings a lot of refunds or reporting back to the card brands or network saying I was overcharged, wasn't notified of this. So, how do you recommend handling refunds in those situations?
0: Well, because we're a DDP service, hopefully you won't have people declining that at their door. But really, the challenge, like you said, is going to be more on the physical return on the product versus a refund, right? A refund domestically versus internationally can be handled. But then when you look at your returns process internationally, that's where things really get complicated. You have to weigh do we bring this product back to America? Is there somewhere overseas that I can store it until it sells? Do I destroy it? Is it not worth bringing home? So the refund piece, that's going to happen. But then as far as the supply chain challenges of selling internationally, the return piece, is what can often be a challenge for any seller.
1: And so how do merchants typically track and how do they know their options? If you have a product that is stuck in another country and you have the option of sending it to another country or sending it back, like how do they know what those options are? And I'm sure that- From the merchant's
0: perspective?
1: Yeah, from a merchant's perspective. And also I'm assuming- How do they handle that? Like, how do I know that it's acceptable materials going to this country versus non acceptable materials going to another country?
0: Right. So, I'll start with the end piece. You know, that's where that upfront compliance homework that we do matters so much going in. Because once we have your item list, we have your SKUs, we know products you're using to manufacture them, we're able to ensure that we're not going to let you send anything to a country where it would not be accepted at customs. And then, as far as the returns options, that's something where even us now are having to do that on largely a case by case basis. And that's because it's not always clear cut that this product won't be destroyed there. You know, if it's worth 15 bucks, whatever it is, then it might make more sense to destroy it over there and write it off rather than ship it back. So, as far as determining a return solution, That's going to be on a case by case basis, but we work very closely with the brands to make sure they're comfortable with our final solution and that we find something that works for them. Because it can be done, right? It's just the reverse supply chain becomes complex, doubly so internationally. So we do that on a case by case basis.
1: Okay. So you kind of work with merchants up front to kind of make those decisions, and then it's just kind of set up and go on the back end. So they're not having to review case by case. That's kind of the system handling that for them, correct?
0: Right. Yeah. Once we're up and going, the reverse supply chain will function, taking a load off of these sellers. These are the very real challenges that we're trying to solve in the international direct-to-consumer space. So this is what me and our team spend all day on trying to figure out how to make it easier.
1: So I guess with all of like the issues that are going on with the supply chain and things today, how do you keep up to date with different countries changing restrictions or what's allowed, what's stuck, what can't, countries that aren't exporting or anything. So how do you keep up with that?
0: Right. That is uh, constantly changing. That is where we derive our biggest advantage, I think, of being a global logistics provider. So when you're talking about cross-border compliance, expediting orders, knowing what's allowed where and when, that's one of our core competencies, and that really is just product of geotis's growth over the past 10 to 15 years has really made it a global player and introducing a product like geotis my parcel is really just leveraging that cross border expertise so to your point that is something that we constantly have to stay up on but generally you're not going to have total 180s either so you're not going to say hey if it's over 50% polyester it's no longer allowed if that's just a totally new direction for the customs and compliance agencies of the country that's receiving the goods. But yeah, staying on part of that is a, a huge piece of what we do. It's a, some real value that we're able to provide merchants.
1: Do you have any functionality that allows for like dispute resolution? So if something does arrive that is supposed to be allowed to pass through in the country is saying that it's not in compliance, do you have means to be able to help settle those res- those?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we do, we actually pre-clear our parcels as they're entering. So, for instance, we inject into the EU through the Netherlands, and they have a list. Whenever a plane's coming over daily with our parcels that are meant for the EU, they're able to pre-clear those beforehand. But if something were to get stopped, you know, this pre-clear process and our relationship with customs compliance definitely helps avoid those type of issues. But 100%, we would not give up on a parcel at the border if for whatever reason it was held up. And just to build on that a little more, you know, from the merchant's perspective or that e-shopper, the international e-shopper, we have a toll-free 1-800 line. So if someone's tracking and they see it's been at customs for two days, we have a toll-free line that you call. And that would be how to get in touch with, right, someone to resolve those problems. But there definitely are steps to free things up at the border if they were to get stopped. But our pre clearance activity really mitigates a lot of that risk.
1: Okay, yeah, interesting. So, one of the other things that you did mention that I know is a pain point for a lot of merchants is how to improve the cart abidement. So, along with the duty and taxes, do you have any other recommendations like? You just talked about like the shipping, right? So are you able to tell them a delivery date or an estimated delivery date based upon you knowing where it's going and how long it's going to take to get cleared and stuff like that?
0: Well, you nailed it, Christy. A lot of the things that also will lead to cart abandonment are not knowing shipping time in the shopping cart. So for these DDU services, they're what we call consolidators. So they are waiting for parcels to come in and then they will consolidate. But that could take indeterminate number of days, right? So a lot of these, and then there's no tracking for these DDU services. So if you're in the shopping cart and you don't know your total landed costs, there's no duties or taxes, you don't know your shipping time, that it's really easy at that point to walk away from the cart. As great as the product or the subscription box might be, those are real problems that people are making quick decisions, right? And then something else we talked on, the returns process, If there isn't a returns process, if there's not a clear returns process, that's something else that can contribute to cart abandonment. And especially for these subscription box where one sale could turn into a lifelong customer, you hate to see that abandoned in the shopping cart.
1: Yeah, and you got to get it right the first time. There's a lot of, you don't get it right the first time, a lot of them will continue with subscriptions. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a very interesting point. And the subscription space, you know, it adds in all of those. Challenges you have a built in customer, or you've got the risk of a one and done. So, definitely.
1: So, I definitely feel like in the United States, at least with Amazon and other quick shipping things that are out there, I feel like a lot of merchants are expected to ship very quickly and be able to track their package and get it out the door. So, do you feel like that carries over internationally?
0: Yeah. I mean, when you talk about benchmarks in the e commerce space, Amazon is basically the benchmark setter. And what have they done? They've conditioned domestic American consumers for one to two day shipping, never out of stock. And that's great because, and that has created the expectation for those increased shipping times. And I do believe that applies internationally, not to harp on the DDU, but when you look at indeterminate amount of days to get delivered at an indeterminate cost that you might owe at your door, that is not what domestic or international consumers expect at this point. I also thought it was interesting to bring up Amazon. I think an important piece for these merchants to think about is how they maintain their brand control when you have the Amazons of the world who are able to set these standards and fulfill. But that also presents some issues as well, right? They could be presenting you right next to competitors So they're just kind of loading up substitutions for you, which is never a good thing. We, as a shipping provider, we obviously view Amazon as the competition. They set these benchmarks. But I think an important thing for us is we come and meet you where you are technology-wise. So we can integrate with your e-commerce platform, integrate where you're printing your labels. And now when those orders comes in, they're not seeing Amazon. They're not seeing competitors. They're seeing your brand, what they're going to pay total landed costs, how long it's going to take to get there, and a tracking number. And to your initial point, right, on customer expectations, that is what people want to see before they pull the trigger as an international e-shopper.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've purchased tons of things that are coming from outside the United States, and if I didn't know when it was going to arrive or how much it was going to be, I'd probably be a little upset when I didn't get it on the time that I was expecting or There's extra fees associated with it when I got it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It is literal. Knock on your door. You owe us X and Y. Sorry, go ahead.
1: So one thing that you just mentioned is the fact that merchants have this way of calculating their shipping ahead of time. So for subscription merchants, getting it over there, the first shipment quickly is very important. But also I feel like being able to predict delivery times so that I know when I have to have my box prepared and ready. So that is also something that you can help merchants establish as a general month timeline of by this date I need to have things prepared so that I can have them ready to ship.
0: Yeah, definitely. Depending on where the merchant's located, we can give an accurate time of what it takes to get to one of our sort facilities in the U.S. to get it going internationally, and then once it's at our sort facility, we've been going with a three to nine day delivery time. We're closer to about four and a half. So, yeah, that's something that we can definitely do for subscription box merchants, give a realistic timeframe. And then we don't have a minimum volume or anything like that. So I understand with these subscription boxes, it might be a few days a month they're shipping or a few days a quarter they're shipping. So in addition to making sure that customer knows when they're going to get it, we can definitely handle that peak and valley volume. That is kind of, it seems like it would be uh, standard for the subscription box industry, just by nature.
1: Yeah, and another thing that you mentioned is brand reputation. So, for a lot of the subscription box services, it's very important for the brand to be recognized. They have certain internal standards that they like to keep. So, how do you recommend merchants retaining brand reputation and recognition when they're shipping internationally?
0: Yeah, so I think coming back to having a carrier partner that can meet you where you are technology-wise. So. When someone comes to your website to order your subscription box, they are seeing your presentation, your marketing, everything you want to be front and center. And then at checkout, you still control things like the duty and tax calculation. Using us as a partner, you can decide where that's shown in the shopping cart or after checkout. But I think the important part is, you know, throughout the checkout process, they are remaining in your technology ecosystem. And then partnering with carriers that maintain your same level of customer service expectations, I think is incredibly important because what you don't want to see is, you know, you put so much pride into your subscription box, so much pride into your website, and then God forbid a parcel falls into a black hole and you can't track it and customs may or may not have gotten it. And now you've got an upset in customer and that really reflects on your brand as well. So I think for all these merchants who put so much into their product, I think it's very front and center to make sure that they're bringing partners into their ecosystem so that their message stays front and point. And then, yeah, carriers and partners that they can trust to provide the highest level of customer service possible for that end consumer, because, you know, internationally, It goes for domestic as well. You've kind of got one chance to make that first impression. So, you know, maintaining your brand reputation on the website throughout the checkout process and then partnering with people and companies that you trust to make the best customer service decisions, I think is the best way to maintain that brand that these people have been cultivating.
1: So you have, sounds like you have a lot of experience working um, and getting a lot of these merchants onboarded and understanding the shipping part of their subscription business. Do you have any case studies or client testimonials, experiences that you can share about how you were able to help them solve a difficult problem?
0: You know, most people are kind of stuck with the same issue of high level of service with integrators versus a reduced cost with consolidators. And where we come in are providing those DDP integrator services at closer to a consolidator price point. So a lot of our customers come in, either they've been using an integrator and it's not cost appropriate for the international shipper. Because when you are looking at $50, $60 for a 30 or $40 product, that might be price prohibitive for the international client. But then when you look at what we talked about, the two to three week or indeterminate shipping time, that's also a challenge that these merchants face. So that's where my parcel comes in. Our goal is to provide that high level of service at a reduced cost. And we're not quite an integrator because they own all of their assets from point to point. And we're not a consolidator. We don't wait to build optimal loads before we ship. And then we do provide a lot of these expectations for customer service that the international e-shipper looks for. That's the DDP, full track and trace, address verification, So in the international space, those are the problems that we're helping solve.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're hitting on a lot of things that a lot of merchants probably have no clue or really have even thought of, especially if you're trying to launch a box, which is address verification and standardization and things like that, that if you don't have a good shipping partner, you could have a lot of returned products that come back to you that you then have to pay the correct postage and shipping charges to get them there again. So having something in place to help you with some of that up front is probably a very helpful tip for some of the people that are just launching.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just talking about the whole point being scaling, right? These subscription boxes, I think it's really interesting to think about the perceived challenges of shipping internationally and scaling in that way. Really today with our processes, you're able to keep shipping from where you are, but gain access to a global market. So, I mean, These challenges are daunting and they are real, but there are partners out there, you know, such as Geotis, parcel, that can really alleviate those and help scale your box very quickly.
1: So I guess one question that I'm kind of having trouble putting my mind around is how, as a merchant, when I have an order that needs to be shipped, how do I get it to you?
0: So like first mile? Yeah. Yeah. So our solution for smaller merchants, we actually have an account set up with UPS and you schedule a pickup. So say you have five to seven boxes a day and you need to get it to Chicago or sort facility for international disbursement. At no additional cost, you go into UPS, schedule a pickup using our account number, and then UPS round gets that to Chicago, at which point we take over and disperse internationally to those uh, final consumers.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: And then as you grow, larger subscription boxes, you know, hopefully this leads to increased volume, but we have LTL solutions as well, depending on your place of business. So we have a lot of first mile opportunities to get that to our sort facility. But once that initial pickup happens, we take over and operationally cross-border, that's where we really thrive.
1: So I guess one thing that a lot of merchants struggle with is when they're using a new partner or a new system how do they plug that into their existing infrastructure? So if I already have an e-commerce website or a customer database or just a spreadsheet, like how do I plug the shipping components into my existing applications?
0: So I know from Subto, which is where we met, a lot of people have Shopify stores, which is an excellent tool. And we are able to integrate via our partners for order label creation and for the duty and tax calculation directly into the Shopify website. So there's a number of other e-commerce platforms that we also integrate with. So you have your storefront set up, and we're just a couple of apps away from integrating with you, being able to choose Geotus My Parcel as a carrier at checkout, know your duties and taxes, and then we say three to nine days, typically around four to five to get that international parcel delivered. And that goes back to what I was saying, right, about us coming to meet you where you are with your technology. So that's really our goal in the integration phase is to be able to integrate with as many e-commerce platforms as possible, as quickly as possible, so that when you make that decision, my parcel is the right product for me, the steps to integrate are relatively simple.
1: Okay. Well, that's good to hear. I know that a lot of merchants you know, don't always have like a tech staff that's on site. So having a plugin with an existing e-commerce platform that's can be very helpful and easy to get from the ground running. So,
0: yeah. And to your point, you know, we do offer API integrations, but if you don't have an IT team, it's not like you can't add a carrier or add technologies that we're partnering with, which, like you said, is great news.
1: Okay, Jack. Well, we're running out of time, but it has been great talking with you today. I really enjoy. We talk to a lot of merchants that talk about launching their their boxes and their subscription services, but it's interesting to have somebody that's in a very niche portion of that whole process that can come on and share some tips with business users and merchants and customers on what really is going on behind the scenes and way they can improve their process. So I've enjoyed this podcast just from learning a little bit more about the shipping process.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. I've enjoyed myself as well.
1: Yeah. And so you mentioned that you are available on some of the platforms. If a customer is looking to get in touch with you to learn more, how would they go about doing that?
0: Yeah. Geodis, G-E-O-D-I-S, myparcel.com is the landing page website for the Geodis MyParcel product. Right now, our two big integration pads are Shopify and WooCommerce, but we can work to integrate with a lot of different ones using some of those same processes I talked about. Yeah, my email, jack.pursell at geotis.com. If you have any questions or want to connect specifically, I would be happy to help you. Okay,
1: well, thank you very much for stopping by today and being on the podcast.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Christy.
1: Thanks, bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scaled, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast
1: and share this episode with your network.